Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to True Restoration. Here is your host. I'm your host, Jason Gordiano, and on this episode, I'm joined by Father Michael Oswald, pastor of St. Benedict's Roman Catholic Church in Lacey Spring, Alabama. Welcome, Father. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's uh, been a little while. We had a little bit of a summer break between episodes. Well, every uh, it's always nice to have a few uh, um, weeks or so of, uh, of a nice break. Summertime is always, uh, you know, we've always been kind of conditioned in, in school to have our summer vacation. And so I think you know, that's nice even for adults to take a little bit of time to, to, to relax, too. Yes, Father. Uh, we are pleased to present Escape from the Novus Ordo, free of charge for our listeners by the generous sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch, novusordowatch.org. Are you wondering what has happened to the Roman Catholic Church? Are you confused, shocked, alarmed at what Francis has been saying recently? Then log on to NovaSortOfWatch.org for traditional Catholic news and information with insightful commentary and razor-sharp analysis. Since 2002, Nova Watch has been exposing the Vatican II Church and its false popes by comparing and contrasting their new religion with the true religion, the modernist Nova Sordo teachings with the teachings of the Catholic Church. Go to NovosortoWatch.org to see why Francis is not a true pope and how the modernist Vatican II sect differs from the Catholic Church. That's NovosortoWatch.org. To receive access to all Restoration Radio episodes, please visit RestorationRadioNetwork.org and go to the member area on the menu bar to find out details on becoming a member. If you would like to purchase an individual episode, navigate to the available episode of your choice and simply click the links below the player on the page. After completing your purchase, you will be emailed a secure download link. Restoration Radio episodes are syndicated on the iTunes and Stitcher. If you're listening to our content on those platforms, please be sure to leave us ratings and reviews. This will help those who are searching for truly Catholic programming to more easily find our content. You can find these links to these two syndicates on our homepage. So as a reminder, this the purpose of this show is to help give encouragement and guidance from a true Catholic priest, Father Michael Oswald, on uh, these episodes and becoming a Catholic in order to save your soul. Father, in previous episodes, we, we've talked about recognizing the problem of the Novus Ordo sect, the, the problem of quote-unquote liberals and conservatives of the Novus Ordo, and changes in the sacraments in the new Mass, which reduce the role of the priest to a presider or, at worst, a showman. Uh, so tonight, uh, I thought we could discuss the seminary and vocations within the Novus Ordo as Father Oswald did attend uh, Novus Ordo Seminary at Mundelein in Chicago, Illinois, uh, before escaping the Novus Ordo and being ordained a true priest. Father, when, for myself, when I was in the Novus Ordo, I did discern the Novus Ordo priesthood and, you know, going on vocation weekends and, and retreats. And, uh, but I believe what I was really looking for was a, a concrete Catholicism, someone to show the faith and not dilute it, because you know you always hear that you know we don't we don't teach it that way anymore, or you don't have to kneel, or you know anything to reconcile the world with Catholicism. Um, I mean, I guess at least at some points they were asking the question in Novus Ordo Confirmation or Novus Ordo High School, you know, who was thinking of religious life, but it uh, it seems to be dismissed by the world, Father. Uh, what is uh, the Novus Ordo priesthood today? Well, which you 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 hit on it uh, just a few minutes ago, and you mentioned that um, the priest and and the priesthood for the Novus Ordo really is uh, truly just the presider over the people. In other words, it is more like in the vein of a social worker um, rather than um, in, the, in the true sense of the word. Um, as being the, the mediator between God and man, as of leading the people to God, of of sacrificing, uh, of of being a man of prayer, of of offering up the holy sacrifice for the living and the dead, for uh, the uh, forgiveness of sins, you know, forgiving of sins, and all those, you know, of the of the priesthood, which is <clears throat> was instituted by our Lord, is really not there in the uh, Novus Ordo priesthood. I mean, prosperity, however you want to call it. <clears throat> but the the whole idea of a priest really has changed, and um, you know basically uh, in seminary especially, you know we were taught <clears throat> basically uh, they rely heavily at least the seminary that I was on and I and I believe it's sort of 
to one form or fashion, uh, it's uh, in the other seminaries as well. But, you know, you have certain areas of formation, they call they call it. And, and you know, we have uh, human formation, they call it, or spiritual formation and intellectual formation, pastoral formation. And really, it's, it's more on the line and heavily um, borrowed from um, modern psychology. Um, a lot of the, the uh, um, you become in a sense like a, um, a, a uh, mini psychologist in a sense is that, uh, you know, you're trying to um, be there for or the people, but on a natural level, you know, being um, um, sort of not as the priest, not as a father, a spiritual father, but basically just like a, another brother kind of thing, um, a bigger brother, but, you know, hey, just a just a big old brother. You know, that's why you have, you know, a tendency in regards to the, uh, the, uh, Novus Ordo, <clears throat> the new mass and all that is that, you know, you have the, the presider who would, uh, um, always, uh, uh, you know, be on the level with the people in a sense, you know, they face, he faces the people. And even sometimes you would have, uh, maybe not so much, um, in a large part, but at least you would have you know, some of the, um, presiders would sit in the pews with the people and, and uh, that's just to kind of show their solidarity in a sense with the people, which is not the spiritual fatherhood of, of the true priesthood. And so you have the, the, the whole formation of the priesthood is really totally different. Uh, it's a totally different view of the, of what the priest is. And, you know, that's why you have, uh, had the proliferation of, you know, worker priests and uh, priests who, you know, who, who are so focused in the senses on the uh, um, social work, you know, things of, of that nature, and, you know, very social justice and things of that nature, which is um, can certainly, uh, you know, obviously good in that regards, but what is the main purpose of a priest? It's not to be a social worker. It's not to be just a kind of a, a buddy to the prisoner to be a spiritual father. And it's, you know, your main focus as a priest is to offer the mass, is to forgive sin, um, you know, is to pray your office, is to um, sacrifice and pray every day for your people. And, you know, uh, that is, you know, the main focus of the priesthood. That is your main function. And then from that, of course, everything kind of flows, everything um, in regards to yes, to some of the social work, etc. But um, but you know the off, you know the, the, the being the uh, the grand um, uh, duty of the priest is is again to offer the mass for the living and the dead, is to forgive sins, is to is the sacramental work. Because that's you know that's the, the the main priest. Because it's if you keep in mind the general principle of that the Novus Ordo has replaced God with man is that you keep kind of that principle in mind is then you can just see then that that also translates to what the priesthood is viewed as in the Novus Ordo is that it is about man and not about God. It's about pleasing man. It's about uh, on a natural level rather than the supernatural level of sa- uh, sacrifice and worship to God is, you know, in that regard. So, it's modernism on full display, Father. Yes, exactly. It, it is. It is truly. It is. Uh, that's one of the. You know, with modernism, of course, and and, and you know, and you read, you know, the the uh, encyclicals of Saint Pius the Tenth and and all the other popes as well, and the rise. They all remind you the same is that you know, their modernism, of course, is is not only just ideas and words, but it's actually actions. You can know by a modernist by their action, how things are played. They may say one thing, but then what do they do? And so you, you can see the, um, you do see the differences between um, that. And that's why you have in, in, in the, uh, um, as you said before, is, is like for the presbyters and the Noah's Ordo, it's, you almost are like a showman. Uh, you know, you have to, um, they they each have seem to have a gimmick uh, almost where you have maybe at best the priest who wants to be reverent and then at worst the singer guitar player comedian filmmaker magician you know this comedic element of oh it's so it's so cool that father's hanging out with us or I guess the right. the dignity and of 
ordained hands isn't there. <laughs> right. I mean, that is, uh, you're right. And you see, you know, I, I had a discussion with, um, when I was in the seminary, we would often, amongst seminarians, we would discuss things. And the mindset for most of the seminarians is, was that the it's the church who has to change and not the world. The church has to change, has to come down to the people of the world and stay with the people of the world and, and not be, not to draw the people of the world out of the, the you know, uh, into a higher. Um, and so with that mindset is that you're going to have that, you know, we used to call him kind of, you know, the buddy priest, you know, it'd be a, be a good guy, a nice guy. Your, your whole focus is to try to, to uh, please people and to, um, you know, to make people feel good, basically, in, in a sense, is that that's, if you want to really um, get down to it, is that that's kind of the uh, focus is to please people, is to please men, is to make things as fun and entertaining and pleasing and, and et cetera to, to people. And, you know, I was, even in the in the seminary and, then there was, and even in the parish, when I was in the parishes, is that, you know, the whole focus was, you don't want to offend anyone. You don't want to, you want to make things as palatable as possible to basically not make any waves. And so people will just, um, you know, uh, enjoy themselves. And, and um, that's why, you know, when you have some guys, myself included, who would, when they would preach or when they would uh, teach and they would preach or teach as what was always taught in, in, in you need know, to preach on hell or you preach on, um, you know, things of those major truths of, of our faith, which, you know, is, is not necessarily pleasant, but you have to preach on it, is that they would get in trouble, is that, uh, you know, they would be moved <clears throat> or chastised first, more likely, and then they, if they persisted, they would be moved uh, or they would, you know, be be uh, persecuted in, in such a way as because, you know, you don't, um, you can't do that because it goes against the grain of what the idea of the priesthood of an old is basically you're just to preside over the people that everyone is fine. Everyone is good. You're just there to help them along when they kind of need help and give them a little, you know, psychological, you know, a little, little tidbits, you know, a little, um, kind of a, a feel good sort of, uh, you know, um, moment or, or a little word or something like that to help them along and not, to be what a, a father truly is, is a father truly loves his children, meaning that the father has to, has, has not only um, encourage them and, and reward them when they do, but also sometimes has to chastise and just to provoke and just to kind of, you know, keep, keep that along. And that's, you know, that's, that's out the door uh, really with uh, those within Nova Soto is that it's, <clears throat> that's kind of the, the mentality then of the, the, Novus Ordo Father, how did you know when, when you had a vocation? How did you discern uh, to become a priest? Well, I'm, you know, our Lord is, is uh, of course, uh, still, uh, the good God is still always calling. Uh, you know, he's always calling. He, he always, he's always calling everyone, of course, to, to, to repentance, to, to, uh, to him. And he's still calling people, still calling people to a, a life of holiness and he's still calling men to be a priest and um you know so for the those in the Masora, i think you know there's uh, some who still have a have a true have a calling to be a, a priest and it just depends on how they you know respond to that but for me is that i i was in a fairly uh conservative i guess you can say uh, parish in a small town and um nothing really crazy crazy out of the craziness in a sense happened per se. And, and the pastor who was the priest there at the time was a true priest. Uh, he was ordained prior to the changes of the, or, of, of Vatican II or, or they changed the, the uh, ordination. Um, but he was always so a true priest, but he was still of the Novus Ordo. So there was still, at least, there was some, um, there was a, you know, as a true priest, you have a mark on your soul that, you know, you have, uh, that you can't, you can't get rid of that, and then there's a there's a transformation that happens when you become a priest in, in that regard. And even though he was the Novus Ordo, but yet he was still he was still priestly in a lot of things he did, and that that did um, 
show it showed itself in, in many areas and I was so close I was about five blocks away from the from the church and and um you know we were talking early seventies you know mid seventies here and, and uh I was always asked to be the mass server for the daily mass and daily notice oral and I think it was still early early in the morning it was certainly before school <clears throat> and uh I was asked all the time because i I was very I was always uh, very responsible and I always, I always showed up because a lot of times they would ask and they'd nobody would show up and, you know, but I would always <laughs> show up. So they would ask me all the time. And so I did spend a lot of time early, early in the morning. And that was, like I said, the priest uh, still had a very early, even though it was no store though, I mean, it was still early in the morning to our, often it was still dark outside, you know, and it was, uh, usually you would have maybe five or six, Elderly women, you know, basically were there in the morning. That was it. But nonetheless, it was still always very quiet. Um, and the church was an old church, and so it still retained a lot of its, um, at least, aesthetical exterior Catholicism. And so it was very quiet, very quiet uh, often. And it was um, it was a time where you know you could actually uh, listen uh, to to God and. Uh, so I mean I, I mean I, that's when I really start, first started to uh, have the the calling in, in that regards and and that was of course in grade school and, and uh, but again you know it was a Noah's Ordo I mean but yet by the grace of God I mean there's still some actual graces that were happening you know and still kicking that in my in my soul and so good God still works uh, through uh, many things as well to to uh, call his priests and. So it was that's when I first began to really start to think about the priesthood, and I think that's probably uh, um, where a lot, uh, at least my classmates in seminary, um, kind of began to have that as well. Uh, is that, but this again coming, this is before the introduction of now, you know, girls to be now altar servers now in the Novus Ordo and. You saw just that introduction. Um, the when I was in the parish after in Novus Ordo after being quote unquote ordained, is that the the amount of boys um, or young men even who were altar boy or altar servers was uh, minimal. I mean that was nobody wants no no boy wants to be about it because you know girls are there now and so it's predominantly girls and so any sort of uh, you know the the altar boys. Uh, the, uh, that's often even um, prior to Vatican too. You know that was really a lot of the seed the seedbed of vocation there. I mean that was where it was fostered, and that was uh, you know where a lot of the boys who had a did have a calling to the priesthood was was fostered there and was helped. Uh, but now really, you know with Novus Ordo, I mean they they've all of course destroyed that for the most part. So any any calls to the priesthood is is. Uh, Becoming less and less in regards to the Novus Ordo, and so you have the um, that sort of seedbed, um, you know, of, of being an altar boy, of the the privilege and then the um, really the the you know pride that was there, the the specialness that was there is is now of course gone uh, within the Novus Ordo. Right. And it's another facet of how the the destruction really of <clears throat> any sort of Catholicism, any sort of uh, answering to grace uh, within the Novus Ordo. Father, how did you how did you find the uh, the vocations process um, when you were in the Novus Ordo? <clears throat> well, it was um, it was an interesting experience. I should I can say now. I mean, looking back, um, you know the um, I, I can't really. Um, I can't really point to how the final kind of decisions came about in, in regards to you know my final what were the final things that kind of went into place for me to to join the seminary etc. But the whole process of the application process and all that sort of thing is uh, is is um, interesting in this regards is that obviously. Even prior to, I mean, prior to Vatican II, is, I mean, there's certain attributes one has, must have. Even by canon law, you have to have, uh, you know, certain things that one has to have to be eligible uh, to be 
uh, a priest, and 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 so you know you do have to look and say, okay, how is your um, your life? I mean, are you basically saying that sort of thing, you know, in, in that regards, and you know everything okay in that regards, and and uh, but what I did is that once I said, okay, I want to I want to join the seminary, you have to get uh, accepted to the diocese, <clears throat> and what happened, what is uh, again a, another example of the reliance, heavy reliance upon modern psychology, you know, the, you know, the modern pop psychology often even modern sort of thing is that I had to go through a, a three day, um, psychological test. Um, and it was, uh, given by a, um, well, he, he was a, he was an anti-Catholic purposely soul. Apparently is what I found out later that he's anti-Catholic, but apparently he does this for Sumerians. Um, perspective <laughs> seminary. So he gives us, gives, you know, the, the three days of, of this long, every, you know, eight hours or something. I can't remember what it was, but, and, but it was uh, three days worth. And he was a Unitarian, uh, you know, or something like that. But um, so after the three days, I've done this, all this psychological thing, he did his, and I came back a week later, something back with the results and that, and then he showed me the results and, you know, he said, you know, this explains this and that, you know, you're, he looked and says, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're rated as being conservative and, and very black and white and rigid in that regards. And, and really, we're, that's not what we're looking for uh, in that regards. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. Um, but a lot of the questions, too, were, you know, were just, again, modern psychology stuff. Um, you know, psychology, of course, has a, a certain you know, there's a validity and legitimacy to some of it, of course. I mean, but uh, any of the, when you start talking to the more, you know, modern, which is antithetical to uh, Catholicism, to, to faith and that, and then you're, that's basically, you're, you know, that's, that's not good. Um, but so the whole thing was, is that at the very end, he just, you know, said, you know, you've, you're conservative, you're rigid, you know, you're et cetera, et cetera. And as if that was a bad thing. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I thought that's what the faith was in regards to it was black and white. It was okay. This, but so that was the first kind of step. And, and eventually the, the diocese did accept me um, because it was more of a, a conservative diocese, but the whole right, right. Um, process was just, uh, it was more along the lines of figuring out, um, um, to, almost to the point where how um, how are you going to be accepted by the people? That's kind of the, oh. the mindset. Um, and you know, even when I went to the applied to the seminary, I had you know I had to go through another application, etc. Process for that, and you know they ask you all these sorts of questions. You know, and basically they're really interested in okay, what have you been reading? <laughs> you know, what's your what have you been reading? You know, and I've, I was reading quite heavily, and I was saying, well, I've read the lives of the saints. I was reading. You know, St. Augustine's uh, Confessions and the City of God, and I was reading all this, and then they were like, oh, okay, whatever, whatever. And then I started, and I said, oh, by the way, I, I just read a book, too, by Thomas Merton. You know, Thomas Merton, the very liberal, uh, um, right, very liberal, seven story uh, mountain monk. Right. Yeah, I think that was the one that I read. And, and oh, oh, really? Oh, very good. You know, very nice. You know, that kind of thing. And, and uh, so it was a matter of, you know, they're trying to, Basically, you, 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 if you are conservative or you're rigid in their mind, if you're too black and white, it's not going to be good with the people. And so you're going to have problems because, you know, the people, they, they want, you have to roll, you have to, as they say, roll with the punches with the people. You have to be kind of, you know, um, accepting and fluid and all that sort of thing. And, and uh, which, again, is just... Uh, uh, takes away from being what a father should be is that, you know, you're, you're there to lead the people. You're there to, con- to teach, to preach, to, to, uh, St. Paul says, you know, sometimes exhort, sometimes, you know, chastise, et cetera, but you're, you know, you're, you're the leader. Um, but in the Noah Soto is that you're not, that's not how it is, is that you're again, just, you're just a big brother kind of holding their hands, uh, all uh, everybody's hands, you know, and you know, that sort of thing. And, and, so uh, the whole application process, whole everything like that, of it was all kind of geared to see, really, uh, again, at least generally, it seemed, you know, how is this man going to be accepted by the people? Is he going to be, you know, 
is he basically, they're looking at, you know, are you, well, I guess you can say, are you liberal enough? Uh, so did you find uh, your peers to to be similar to your mindset, or, or were they were they very open to this church has to change sort of dilution? Uh, well, it, it, it's, there, you have quite a diversity, I think, uh, of my confreres and, and, you know, some of the, some of my, uh, the ones from the diocese that went to other seminaries, et cetera, they were, they went to the seminaries, um, a couple of seminaries who were, uh, more on the conservative side. Um, even they would tell, they'd come back, you know, when they come back for on vacation or something to the diocese, you know, and they would say, oh, we could wear a cassocks and that sort of thing. Well, good. Um, but, you know, we never could. Um, but so you have kind of a, a, a mixture of mindsets of, of that, um, you know, um, conservative. For the most part, you have a handful who, who I think do have a true vocation to, to be a priest and they want to be a priest in the true sense of the word. They want to put God first and, and, and um, do what a priest is, but but it's an, it's it's a delusion in regards to what is expected of the Novus Ordo. And that you know, I can I clung to the fact when I when I would read the lives of the saints, especially of the priests, you know, like Saint John Vianney or any of the great priests, uh, um, of and to see their life of sacrifice, to see their life of that their whole life revolved around offering mass, whole life revolved around giving the sacraments, revolved around, you know, praying the bravery, interceding for the people by, you know, that was their, their relationship with God. <clears throat> that was their whole life. And then from that, it flowed, of course, overflowed to the people. And um, that, you know, I had that mindset. And I know there's some guys who had that mindset too. And you're thrust though into a, the seminary system where that is not the mindset and that is not the idea of a priesthood. On the other hand, there's some who have joined in, in the seminary. There are others who their duty, their mission in their mind was to change, keep changing the church, keep changing the church to be more um, progressive, liberal, you know, and, and basically what you're seeing now in regards to the, uh, you know the whole homosexual uh, agenda, mafia, etc., all that sort of thing. The whole acceptance of this immorality of other immoralities. You know the softening on, on, on moral issues, etc. <clears throat> that was the mindset of many of the seminarians when I was in the seminary as well, and I'm sure prior to, of course, even you know uh, as well, is that they their whole mindset was to continue to change the church to not look like it was in the past because again you don't want to be rigid you don't want to be black and white you don't want to be you know hurtful or um intolerant uh um in the world um for the world I should say. and so you have i would say the vast majority of the seminarians have that mindset um you know they're very they're very uh they try to be you know, the very uh, sort of buddy-buddy kind of thing, you know, that we used to call them the, the hip priests, you know, the hip, you know, guy, they want to be, you know, <laughs> cool with the kids and that sort of thing, you know, and, and you know, you, you, you can understand the, the kind of, or you can, I'm sure you've seen the, and maybe the listeners have seen, you know, that sort of presbyter within those sort of, you know, he's want to be, always be, he's like a salesman, you know, like a, that sort of feeling of a, you know, very sly, very slick and sort of, you know, glib and that sort of thing, and, you know, and thinking that, you know, that's endearing to the people. And so the vast majority, at least, I think, um, my confreres were of that mind. But again, there, are, like I said, there's a diversity there. There's some who truly had, I think, calling, uh, and as, as I did, and and they wanted to be a priest. They wanted to be a priest as a priest, as always. But again, that was usually, usually, uh, it didn't take long for that uh, desire or that idea to be uh changed or at least uh, to be uh, muted in that regards in the seminary. So here's a tough question, Father. If someone's listening to this show and they're in the Nova Soto Seminary now or they're considering it, uh, what would you tell them? Well, funny you should ask, actually. I'm starting to get, well, you know, the goodness of people's hearts, you know, they, they, they see they have uh, either family members or, you know, maybe friends or 
you know, maybe they're sons of friends or whatever who have joined the seminary and the Lesotho Seminary and are in the seminary or, or or just, you know, just got or quote unquote ordained in the sem- in the Lesotho. You know, so I'm giving I'm getting kind of letters and, and, and emails about asking me in a sense to to talk, try to talk with them or try to, you know, reach out to them. And, you know, that's certainly a, a laudable desire and, and, and but, you know, truth be told is that you always have to keep in mind the, the principle of that they have to be open to to it. They have to um they have to um they have to be looking for the truth. Um for me throughout seminary even and uh, throughout my the seminary time of, of when I was in the seminary and, and once I got in the parish is that I knew I recognized and I know I saw that something was very wrong. Um and I was actively trying to figure it out, but also actively trying to um trying to make it uh, uh alleviate you know my doubts in that regard so that you know, it's what moral theology you know under under that obligation. And so I was open to those graces that were coming, those actual graces that were coming of sometimes, you know, I would get people who um, you know, somebody would send me uh, something of, of 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 something from the traditional side, you know, and, and I would be open to that. I'd be reading it and I had to ponder that. But I was I was looking, I was seeking that. Um so there's a there's a seed bed there that that those seeds can be thrown, and you know they may not germinate right away. Um, they may take time, but um, there's still a, an openness there. Um, but for those who who aren't looking or who who see that there's no problem, in fact, who you know, in, in this is what they see that the Novosora is and they enjoy it, you know, or they, they like it. They, they under, they, you know, that this is, and you can kind of tell who, who is or not. Um, it's very difficult <clears throat> to try to speak with them in regards to, you know, the true church, uh, to, to Catholicism and, and to say, wait a minute, how could this, and their often response would be, well, you know, the church, well, the church changes. The church can change. The church has to change, and that she's, you know, she's changed. And so this is—it's not like it used to be, and it's not going to be. And this is the new church. And there's really nothing then that one can kind of say to counteract that, other than um, by our prayers and by our sacrifices, because I'm sure that a lot of the graces that were sent to me, those actual graces, were procured not uh, by many who were praying. For maybe they may not even know have known me, but they were praying for um, true priests. They're praying for you know uh, the those graces uh, to 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 help for all to see the truth. And I'm sure you know I my 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 mother's uh, family was uh, Polish, uh, and they were all uh, good Polish uh, Catholics uh, prior to Vatican II, of course, and and. Uh, um, they were very faithful. My mom would tell me stories about how my grandfather would every night on his knees be praying his rosary, his night prayers uh, every night. Um, you know, didn't miss a night in that regards. And and uh, so I'm sure, you know, by the grace of God, a lot of those graces and that was, you know, by uh, that were sent that uh, I was for me. Um, but so our prayers and our sacrifices are certainly uh, the best thing that we can do. But the the next thing we can do is that if we have someone who's in the seminary or, or you know, in, or in the priesthood, that you know, we 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 just uh, we can kind of send them some things occasionally, you know, um, you know, because uh, um, I will tell you, in the seminary, um, I rarely saw, uh, we rarely studied anything prior to Vatican II. I mean, uh, I was I was very rare if we studied. If it was anything, it would always be the early church. It was always be the early church fathers and in that regards, but you know, nothing really after that until really Vatican II. And so the first time I remember in seminary when I was reading um some of the encyclicals of the true popes, uh, the first time I was reading encyclicals by St. Pius the Tenth or um you know Pius the Ninth or Pius the Twelfth, I was blown away. I mean that was a that was such a an eye opening help for me in, in that regards. And so Maybe you know send 
them little things like a nice encyclical because they're, cause they're being spoon-fed, really. Uh, nothing but John Paul II uh, and, and Ratzinger and Benedict and, um, um, you know, I mean, if any encyclical that they're going to read or anything of the true popes or any of, of the popes, quote-unquote, will be of John Paul II. I mean, that's basically the standard is that you're going to have to weed through the 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 uh, reams and reams of of his mind. So little things like that, and and um, even you know the uh, if you find good books on on saints, on you know the saint the prior prior Vatican II, you know good books, um, you can send them a little book on the saints. And again, one of the things that that, that helped me um, that changed that began to really really helped me a lot was when I read the um, biography of, of St. John Vianney as uh, the, the, the thick one, the Abbey um, one. Is that, uh, you know, that was, um, I read that, I don't know how many times, you know, just, you were just enthralled with that. But when you do read something like that, um, and then you try to apply that, or at least you're reading that, and then you look at to what you're in, you you begin to see that it's it's not the same. Um, you know, it, it registers maybe in the back of your mind or maybe a little seed that might be registered, but you begin to see and say, wait a minute, that's what I'm reading here of what St. John did and what he, you know, the, the church that he had, the, the, his life is not the life that I see portrayed in the Novus Ordo amongst the quote-unquote priests. Um, you know, St. John Vianney, um, you know, he, he wasn't... Uh, uh, you know, he didn't, uh, you know, pull any punches, you know, when he was, he was, uh, but sort of just total sacri- sacrifice in regards to that. And it's just totally different when you look at the Novus Ordo. And so a little seed like that certainly can, can help. Um, and just to, to, uh, again, you're just kind of throwing those seeds as, as little as, sometimes as little as you may think it's little, but you never know it may germinate. And, um, Especially now is that when you have um, just the uh, for any of those who are in the Novus Ordo now who who um, you know for one the doctrinal and the, the dogmatic which is really the, the heart of the matter of today is, uh, but that can sometimes be easily um, you know um, brushed aside and, and explained and you know. Um, at least, you know, trying to explain in regards to the, well, this is this is just what the this is just the, the same faith, but just said in a different light or taught in a different light, whatever it may be. But now that but now that the Noah's Ordo is now that they've totally con- destroyed faith uh, in regards to that, now they're actually going now after the uh, to the morals, to the to the moral life, to the to the natural law, and um, you know that's. For some, uh, you know, that might be, um, that's more easily be easily discernible in regards to easily because you can see it. Um, and uh, that might be a, you know, a good uh, a case too, is that, you know, somebody can find, uh, you know, send them a, send them a copy of uh, one of the old uh, um, moral theolo- uh, theology books, uh, you know, uh, uh, manuals or what have you, you know, um, something like that that you can say. And they, if, if they have, and just tell them, hey, why don't you just flip through this and see, you know, where, see how this is what this, the church says about this, uh, most especially today, of course, of, you know, the homosexuality, et cetera. And how can then she, how can Francis and all the rest, you know, say this now today? And so you kind of, you're trying to throw in a, in a good sense, you're trying to throw doubt. In a, in, in a good way, uh, in a sense, to um, uh, but you're throwing it with the true faith. You're saying, "Wait a minute!" It's, you have to look at it almost in the, in the vein of trying to convert a Protestant to the true faith, uh, and so you're trying to convert a Marian or a Novosorto, you know, priest or presbyter to the true faith, and so you have to look at it kind of almost in that same way and use a lot of the tactics that one would use to help a Protestant to see the truth. You know, you kind of have to try to help see, because that's basically what the Novus Ordo is. It's just uh, a Protestant with a, with a, at least a, a small sheen of visible Catholicism uh, left to it. But 
that's kind of what it is. And so you have to use that same sort of tactic when you're trying to, you know, but in a very charitable, very, uh, you know, you can't beat them over the head. You can't, but you just, again, just throwing little seeds here and there and, and, and praying and sacrificing that they uh, take root. We would like to remind you that you're listening to Escape from the Nova Sordo on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Jason Guardiano, and I'm joined by Father Michael Oswalt. And today we've been discussing uh, the Nova Sordo Seminary, the modernism found, how to uh, plant some seeds, so to speak, and help uh, others find the true faith. Uh, we want to remind you that Escape from the Nova Sordo is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to mail at truerestoration.org. Uh, Father, if we could continue with the actual uh, steps toward the priesthood. And <clears throat> well, yes, is that the, you know, in the, in the Catholic Church and the true church is that you do have you know, the first one is tonsured, and then one goes through the minor orders um, up to then the uh, subdeacon, deacon, and then priest, uh, which are the major orders. You know, once when someone is ordained a subdeacon, is that you know there's no turning back then after that, and then you're progressive then now um, to the priesthood. Is that? Uh, but in the Novus Ordo, um, they have done away with. Um, all the minor orders, um, and you basically what you have now is that you have there's a version in the sense of tonsure, but it's just ex- basically just acceptance to as a seminarian, it's not really a tonsure in the proper sense. But um, and then the next step then would be deacon, is that your um, quote unquote ordained a deacon, and then you usually have a year left of seminary after that, and then you're ordained then a priest in the seminary, but all the minor orders then are, are gone. I mean, they're all lost. Um, they've all been, you know, abrogated in the Noah Sordo. And so, you know, all those, uh, that preparation, you know, all that is, is gone. And, um, but with the, uh, with the Noah Sordo too, is that now you have, well, with Vatican II, at least post-Vatican II, is that the institution, you know, what they call the permanent diaconate. And, this is, uh, um, you know, they'll claim that, you know, this is what the early church had and this is what, and that's, it's, the, but the claim is bogus. It's not that they didn't have that. The the, the orders, the, the deacon was always meant to be then a priest, is that you were, you were to go through the, all the minor orders, you know, and the, then I'm sure the major orders, some deacon and then the deacon, and then you were going to the priest. There was no, you weren't stopping at a deacon unless, yes, say like St. Francis of Assisi was, um, remained a deacon because he, he deemed himself not <clears throat> worthy enough to be a priest, but that's a rare occasion. It wasn't that he was just, okay, I'm just going to be a deacon, and that's it. I'm going to be a permanent deacon, and, and um, that was not the way. That's not the mind of the church. But with Vatican II is that they use the excuse of basically, well, this is how the church you know, used to do it in an early way, which is not true, but... It's a recurring theme like the Mass, the the false restoration of old, of the early church, rather, uh, supposedly. Right, right. Well, if you read the uh, um, Pius XII, uh, he condemned, of course, as the church always has, condemned that idea of, you know, kind of bringing the past in a sense, you know, going back to the past and um, but that was a trick of the modernists, of course, in that regards, and to, you know, quote-unquote, what they say, simplify the church that for the, the Church of the Apostles. Because, um, you know, they, they have to try and get rid of, you know, those wicked times of, of, you know, Trent, you know, the Council of Trent, you know, those terrible times of that, you know, and that sort of thing. So they'll, they'll use that as the excuse to, you know, we want to be simplified like it was in the apostolic times. But... Um, so the the but the permanent diaconate is is uh, basically just a an excuse to have um, basically for a permanent for for the permanent diaconate within uh, the Novus Ordo it's always usually married men um, you know they're married men uh, that have and so you can kind of see in a in a general and you just take a take a look back and, and see you know it's kind of preparing the way uh, for 
married priest ultimately um you know for that because you know we have, well, yeah, yeah, we already have deacons you know they're married so why can't we just have now you know priests who are married um but also too in a very in a very way i guess you can say is that uh you know not that one is uh, uh you know trying to read into things but <clears throat> for the the steps that the the married men have to, to have to go before they become a permanent deacon um, is that they do have to go through some formation, some form of, you know, classes that they have to attend, et cetera. And whatever. However, each diocese, I think, is a little different. Um, but at least the diocese that I was from, and I'm pretty sure it's pretty standard for all, is that not only does the, the man have to, you know, the, the, who has to come to that, but his wife has to attend as well. Now, yes. that's, I think, paving the way for um, deacon S's. Um, to be, you know, because we were actually, this was an idea, ideas that were floated in the seminary a lot of, you know, of, of women deacons and then also eventually women priests. Um, so, you know, all this is, there's nothing that, uh, every action has a, has a purpose to it. And, you know, so I think that uh, no permanent diaconate thing was, was meant to, you know, prepare the way for a, a married clergy, a married Eventually, you know, uh, priests are for to get rid of celibacy, which you know was another theme within the seminary when we were uh, in the seminary. But um, but also too paving the way, whether they you know they can say um, you know how well John Paul II says no, we can't. Then Francis said no, we can't have women priests. But eventually, you know, that's eventually going to be a reality. I think um, that they you know will have women priestesses. Um, you know, what's stopping that now? I mean, uh, but. Because you have, you're starting to have that really now, as you have girls for now at the altar with uh, altar girls, and which is paving the way for that. You have you know, women who are doing all sorts of quote unquote ministries within the sanctuary itself. And so, what's what the logical step now is to have a why can't we just have then a woman priest? Um, so, but that whole permanent diacon thing is, uh, you know, it's 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 another it's another really taking away of the idea of the priesthood because, you know, now the, the permanent uh, deacon, you know, now at least in the parishes that I was at, you know, they always did the uh, sick calls. Um, you know, they always did the, a lot of the work that the priest is supposed to do, um, you know, was kind of shoveled off on this, on the permanent deacon. And so they did kind of a lot of that work. And so the priest is kind of really, Oh, you know, he he's kind of um, really he's he's he has really nothing much to do per se because all the other ministries are taken up. I mean, you have you know at the Novus Ordo Mass, you know, he basically just sits down and lets other people do the work, so to speak, and um, so he's you know, he's kind of irrelevant in, in, in that regard. Um, so yeah, the whole permanent diacon thing is uh, you know it was just another. Um, um, I think uh, destroying of the uh, of what the priesthood uh, is, um, and kind of relegating the priest or the presbyter within the Novus Ordo again to be just uh, really again very irrelevant and, and just well we can have them or not and, and you know it kind of really doesn't matter and it, it will it won't really matter anymore as time goes on you'll see in the Novus Ordo parishes is that a lot of the times you're seeing now because there's so few um you know priests now uh, is that you have you know basically just communion services in the parishes and usually usually uh, led by a by a, a nun um so it's all paving the way in a sense to to really um again debase the priesthood and to make it irrelevant so if you do go through the Nova Sorda Seminary and you are ordained there with the, the new rite, maybe for those who aren't familiar, what is it that's so wrong with the creation of priests and bishops in, in the Nova Sorda today, or rather since 1968? Well, the thing of uh, um, with any sacrament is that three things are absolutely necessary, <clears throat> and those three things are set in stone. You have to have the proper form, which is the um, proper words, 
Um, you have to have the proper matter, which is sometimes like with baptism, it'd be water or confirmation oil. Um, and you have to have the proper intention. So those three things are integral to any sacrament. Um, if you change any of those, then you're changing the sacrament, which then makes that sacrament null and void. You know, I can't use, um, say, um, for not being sacrilegious or anything, but say for when I offer mass, I can't use a a chocolate chip cookie for the host. I have to use um, I have to use a host that is of bread and water. You know, because if I did that, then it would be no sacrament. You know, I can't change the words of consecration, even the slightest of words, because then that wouldn't confect the Eucharist. So the sacraments have very specific things that are integral to them that you cannot change. Now, the Novus Ordo itself, we were taught in the seminary that it's very vague, that you can change all you want, really, because it's kind of the... Uh, it's the intention behind it. As long as you kind of intend and I, I want this to be whatever, etc., then it's okay. Um, you know, you can change the words or change the matter or what have you, and, and it's still fine. Well, no, that's not what the church has ever taught. It's very specific. And so if you begin to change things within the rites uh, of uh, of the sacraments, um, whether it be the <clears throat> that of a, a the consecration of a bishop or that of an ordination of a priest, of holy orders, you know, etc., is that you, then you you the sacrament is not then conferred. Why well, I could wish all I want, uh, you know, I can have all, you know, I can have the right intention, but if I don't have the right form and matter, it's not the sacrament. So um, with the changes that came in Vatican II is that, you know, they changed everything. They didn't just change the math. I mean, they changed every sacrament. Um, the whole rites of the sacraments were all changed. Is that you, you put the, the rites of all the sacraments uh, side by side, uh, you see that they've changed major things um, in all of them, from baptism to, to marriage to, uh, you know, all holy orders to everything. So, um with the uh, with holy orders is that you know if even if you you know you change you know the form the matter or the intention any of those things is that you don't have the sacrament you don't confer that uh order and so in 68 when when they changed the rite of consecration for a bishop and, and actually father uh father Chicada has some very good articles very scholarly articles on on that, and, and uh, that explains it in a more detailed manner <clears throat> of what the changes were, and, and but it nullifies then that sacrament as if those are major changes in that regards, and they were. So basically, you have no uh, bishops since 1968, uh, you know, using the new rites, the new rites that they have, so they're not bishops. So if they're not bishops, well, then they can't then confer holy orders uh, for priests because it takes a bishop to do that. So, you know, you have now, that's just in a very general way, like I said, if you want to, you know, read the nuts and bolts of it and etc., you can find those good articles by Father Chicago and Bishop Sanborn and I think uh, uh, Bishop uh, Provonis and, and uh, um, I think Father Benedict has a few good articles as well on that, but all those things are, are not just opinions, you know, just not saying, you know, uh, but they're all based on Strictly going by um, what the church has laid down um, for what a sacrament is and what are the requirements for it. And, you know, if you, one of the encyclicals of Pius XII, because he certainly knew what was coming, um, he certainly knew, uh, uh, you know, all those who were around him of the, the modernist, etc., and the, the one at their, their novelty of changing everything, is that he laid down specifically um, what is necessary for. Uh, the uh, consecration of a bishop was a message for holy orders. And he laid it in, the, in, in the, I think it was an apostolic uh, exhortation. Uh, I don't think it was an encyclical per se, but it, he laid it down. Um, and if you take that and you then apply it and look at what the new ordination rites are, you can see all the changes that Pius XII has said you can't do, and this is what it, they did. So basically what you have is is uh, what the Anglicans did, 
um, which Leo the Thirteenth had declared that all their orders are null and void because they changed, even in the smallest of way, uh, that um, those uh, the sacrament of holy orders. <clears throat> so that's what you're kind of faced with today: is that you have men who are portraying themselves as bishops, but they're not, um, and they're you know trying. They're, they're, uh, and the, the, the men who are trying to be priests or wanting to be priests, um, going through the new rites, um, being ordained, quote unquote, are, are not priests. Um, you know, that's the reality in a general way, uh, that we face. But again, you can, there's other scholarly, you know, like I said, I'm just giving you the general thing. We could be too, yes, uh, yes, sure there's other shows who goes into the, the nuts and bolts of it, but, you know, that's what we face. Uh, today, that's the Noah's Ordo. And, you know, all those who are true priests uh, in the Noah's Ordo, and there are still some who are, you know, old enough now who were ordained prior to Vatican II, they're, they're either retired or they're dead because it's been a long time. And so, you know, that's, um, that's the reality of, of the Noah's Ordo. Uh, it, it is, as to coin a phrase, you know, as uh, I think Father Chicana had used, but also I think he's taken it from Leo the Thirteenth, is that it's utterly null and void. Yeah, this was kind of a one of the big horror stories to read. That okay, so it's not enough to just bring back the bring back the old mass and do everything that way when when this change was done all the way back in 1968. Yes, that's. Uh, but again, this is this is one of the things too that, like I've been trying to help a, a couple of Nosoro priests who are are seriously thinking, you know, this, they knew something something was wrong. But I've been trying to very delicately delicately uh, approach that because I know for myself when that when that finally dawned by the grace of God on me that it was. Uh, I mean, I don't, I barely survived it. I mean, because you realize, wait a minute, I'm not a priest and. So all the confessions that I've heard, all the sacraments that I thought I was giving, um, you know, are not. And, you know, that's, that's hard. Uh, and that's, it seems uh, um, fantastical in a sense for many people. And for many, you know, they'd say, oh, it's impossible. It's impossible. Um, but it's not because... Uh, you go by what the church has always said, and anytime you deviate outside of that, then nearly anything is kind of impossible. Anything's possible with that because you're going, you know, you can make up things as as you want. Then, um, but the church is very specific in what it has taught and laid down because it is given to us by God Himself, by our Lord, and you know you don't change that. You can't change that. Um, so, but. Uh, but yes, that is it is very difficult sometimes for people to uh, to uh, to take, and it's easier to be uh, you know easier to just say oh, I don't believe it, forget it. It's all conspiracy theory. It's easier just to go that route and just not be have to difficult situation. I, I've been trying to help those uh, those guys to as, as delicately as I possibly can, and, and it's painful. Uh, it's painful for those in the pew, and it's more painful for those who are. Um, you know, in the clergy uh, with uh, within those sorrow, but by the grace of God, you know, we we can certainly um, confront the truth and and not only confront it but live it. You know, when I was in the Nova Sordo, I used to just pray that God would fill in the rest, but it doesn't work that way. No, it's no. Um, I mean, certainly, it's the it's old adage. You know, Protestants would say, especially of confession, would say, "Well, you know, I can just go to God to directly to forgive my sins." Well. You can have contrition, but God didn't. Our Lord didn't set it up that way. He set it up through man. He said you have to come, you know, uh, to to go to the priest, etc. And so this is by our Lord's design. You know, it's and there's certain things that certainly the church will provide. Or uh, but you know, when it comes to the sacraments, again, um, it's very specific. You have to have those three things for matter and intention, and they have to be specifically specific as the church has always had. So after your Nova Sorda ordination, Father, and discovering the truth, how did you finally escape? Well, I um, 
this is where the the uh, internet comes in. Um, you know, it's uh, um, the internet certainly has some good things uh, on it and and can help greatly. Um, to, of course, it also can be very bad. But you know, I began to um, as I was studying throughout the seminary and into the parish. You know, again, I was studying all the old the theological manuals. I was I my whole thing uh, in the seminary was I uh, also would pray the uh, true divine office as well. Um, I would uh, do the Latin mass in regards to, I would learn Latin mass, et cetera. All those things, you know, all those little actual graces that helped me along came to then. So I was confronted with the fact that, wait a minute, this is not the church. This is after I was quote unquote ordained in the parish. And, you know, and and I began to understand that this, this is not, this is not the church. This is not Catholic. This is, you know, and, and then the question began, well, this isn't the church, then where's the church? I mean, where? And so you kind of looked, I, I looked, you know, on the internet and began to find, basically you type in, I don't remember, church of Catholicism or something like that. And, you know, you begin to see, wait a minute, there's other avenue, wait a minute, there's something going on, you know, something going on here. And you begin to see, yes, there was a, from the very beginning of Vatican II, there were priests and, and bishops who eventually, you know, did resist, and, or not resist, but just reject and, and say, wait a minute, they just, Began to, and then you begin to, um, you know, further along, go and reach out to um, some of these <clears throat> websites, and and uh, and uh, and, I, and I do say that uh, one of the great websites that helped me immensely too was Nova Sort of Watch, actually, and um, which is one of the ones which you can say for another story, which I got in major trouble with in the, in the parish when one of the secretaries. Uh, saw that I was looking at this website, she, you know, flipped out and it was a whole thing with the bishop and, but none of that, that's just another story. Um, but <laughs> certainly those websites help a lot. And I would, I contacted a couple of traditional, um, traditionalists uh, who run these websites who then helped me to contact, um, some traditional priests and bishops. And then I began a, well, to use the Vatican II word dialogue, <laughs> I began to you know, email back, email back and forth, you know, with uh, the, these uh, priests and bishops, and um, and and even on the phone occasionally, and you know, trying to talk and uh, trying to hash things out and see what happened, and um, that that's how I began to uh, escape. And when the final, and I, I'll kind of leave with the story, is that uh, at the final end, you know, when I knew that I was going to leave, I was actually talking on the phone with uh, uh, Bishop Dolan. And uh, um, he was saying, I think it was uh, Father Faber, uh, who I had when he was, a, I think it was an Anglican, and, and he decided he was going to be a Catholic, that he he was preaching at his service, uh, and he said, now, he told his parishioners in the large, you know, I'm now, I'm going to go and be a Catholic now, and he just put his vestments down there and he left. And the Bishop, Bishop Dolan was trying to tell me, that'd be a good thing for you to do. <laughs> and then I was sort of, and, you know, and, and I said, well, I, I think I'd probably be killed. Uh, but I, I didn't have the, I didn't have the strength or the fortitude or the graces to kind of do that, but that would have been good. I mean, if I would have been able to do that, but, but so, but, you know, <laughs> but it was the reaching out to and helping uh, from other traditional Catholics, you know, that helps me not only, uh, but lay people, but um, also of course the, the priests and the bishops who, who helped and, and so it was just a matter of taking that step of you know beginning that conversation I guess you can say um, that's that's what gave me the final men's strength to okay I have to leave well on that note father uh, of course uh, more of your escape can be uh, heard in uh, in other sermons talks and videos you've been in um, so I'll link that in the show. Um, as we close out this episode, we have covered Father's time in the Nova Soto Seminary, uh, the, uh, the change in Episcopal consecration and invalidity of uh, orders in the Nova Soto. And uh, we've talked about what to do if you're still in the Nova Soto as a seminarian or a priest. And I want to thank Father Michael Ossel for for his time and being with us on this episode uh, is there anything else you'd like to add, Father, before we close out this episode? Well, I think just uh, it's for traditional Catholics, and you know, I always 
when you say traditional Catholics, I, mean, I would like to just say Catholic. We're we're Catholic, you know. I mean, it's either Catholic, but we just say traditional Catholic just to, you know, just because of no sorrow. But uh, our main for those who, who are there, we need to pray every day for our vocations. Uh, you know, pray every day for your priests, for your bishops. Um, pray every day that those who are in the Novus Ordo of of the, the clergy of the Novus Ordo that they will see the truth and they will have the courage um, and the strength to to leave and to then become Catholic, uh, to follow the Catholic, uh, to to be in the truth in the Catholic Church. And so, but it's often by your prayers and your sacrifices. Um, which, you know, don't discount uh, that. You know, you may not see the fruits of your prayers, but they are very powerful if you pray with fervent, with, with the right intention, with fervency, um, with a great devotion, and, and you know, uh, for um, those who, to leave the Novus Ordo, but also, again, continue to pray for your your priests and your bishops now in the true church uh, is that, uh, you know, their times are going to be tough, I'm sure, as time goes on, but nonetheless, by your prayers, uh, your continued sacrifices, you know, procure uh, great graces uh, for perseverance for all. Thank you, Father. So, how is life in Lacey Spring and uh, at St. Benedict's? Uh, are uh, catechism classes starting up again? And uh, also, I'd like to say I've been enjoying your uh, your sermons. <clears throat> yes, the uh, the uh, we've enjoyed the uh, in last a couple of days uh, a break in the weather. It's been actually quite cool and enjoyable, but today it became uh, back to the norm of hot and humid uh, in regards to the South here, but uh, it's, uh, you know, God's will. And yes, the, the catechism class will be starting uh, in the middle of, uh, or a little bit towards uh, the end of uh, September, and uh, this this round of catechism classes will be uh, discussing uh, apologetics, um, church history, and sacramental, and the sacraments. Uh, so we're trying to kind of hit uh, a lot of facets for that. The uh, previous round was on Vatican II, is that right? Yes, the, the previous round was mostly on uh, Vatican II, on modernism and liberalism and, and uh, uh, that sort of thing, yes. Well, once again, uh, Father Oswald, thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you again next month as we continue this series. God bless you. All right, God bless you. Thank you. If you have any questions for Father Michael Oswald or feedback on this episode, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at escape at truerestoration.org. And we will pass along your questions or comments to Father Michael Oswald. And we would also take this moment to remind you that all correspondence with us are strictly confidential. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who helped make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a mass, a rosary, or even simply an ave 